My name is Leah. I finished a documentary called I Bleed, where I went on a journey to break the taboo and the negative cycle around periods in order to create a new one for my daughter, Ava. In this voyage, I met a lot of interesting characters and learned a lot of things that I wasn't able to include in my film, so I decided to have them all in a podcast divided in series. In this series of I Bleed, I explore the religious views around periods. In this episode, I travel to Montreal and sit with Professor Arvind Sharma, a professor of comparative religion at McGill University, whose work focuses on Hinduism, philosophy of religion. We meet in his office in a beautiful old building in McGill. His office is covered with books, papers everywhere. But there is a beauty in this mess. We talk about the views of menstruation in the Hindu religion, from stories to rituals to the concept of sin and cleansing. So, I mean, as I told you, the documentary is about menstruation, and I'm interested to find out about like how different religions mm. deal with menstruation, because what I seem to have found through my research online mainly, and through talking to some religious leaders, that a lot of, a lot of shame is associated to menstruation, you know? All religions seem to uh, talk about menstruation as something that women should be shameful of. So the first question that I had for you was about like the direct references in the Vedas re related to menstruation. So can you tell me about any Vedas that talk about menstruation? If we take the whole body of literature called the Veda by the Indian tradition, especially by the Hindu tradition into account, then yes, there are clear references to menstruation and there are even stories about it. So one such story is about a king of the gods is called Indra. And in Hindu ritual, offerings are made to this king of the gods, which are poured into a fire, sacred fire. And the smoke is supposed to carry it to the skies, to the other world, sort of. Now, the story is that Indra suspected that someone was interfering with these oblations reaching him, some of the demons. And so he killed one of them. Now, the demon whom he killed happened to be a Brahman. The people called Brahman in Hinduism used to be the priests. So, Brahmans, especially as priests, are considered like people who cannot be killed. So, all murder is bad, but there is a special feeling of disgust, you know, when a person is associated with piety and religious activity are killed. In Hinduism, if you kill a Brahman, as in Buddhism, if you kill a Buddhist monk, it's a sin. Serious sin. So Indra, now the king of the gods, now became the victim of this sin. He had to deal with this sin. He wanted to get rid of this sin. So he went about to various parties asking, will you take some share of it and enable me to get rid of it? So he goes to various parties. He goes to the earth and she says, okay, I'll take one third of it. So when she takes it, there's a fissure in the earth which opens up. And then Indra says, what can I do for you? Since you have given me a favor, you have shown me compassion and taken my sin. So she says, I get hurt when people dig in into me. So he says, henceforth, when they dig in, gap will be filled. You know, now you are cut into the earth, so the opening closes up gradually. So this was how he dealt with the issue of transferring one third of his sin to similar deal is struck with the trees. And then women agreed to take it. So when women took it, they started menstruating. And so this was the negative side of it. But then he said, what can I do for you in a positive way? So then he said, the positive side is that once it stops, you know, when you are pregnant, till childbirth, it won't bother you. 
then you will enjoy sex. I don't know these things, but I am told women particularly enjoy sex in pregnancy. So I have been told. So that is a very interesting account because it shows both the aspects. There is sin, but there is the compassion of women. And it's not necessarily negative. Eh? And then there is this uh, kind of uh, the deal he strikes with them, to put it in modern business parlance. As in the women agreed, agreed yeah, to agreed. this. Yeah, so agreed. Voluntarily. It's a voluntary thing. He went to them and requested, no, we do take this and all. So one third, one third, and one third. It's very interesting. And what about like rituals related, like in, in Hinduism, are there any rituals related to the first menstruation? Yes, yes. The onset is, and in some societies it is also celebrated. So it's the same duality about it, you know, because of it, you can give birth to children. So it's a positive thing. But because there is excretion, and there's uh, actually the Hindu, the Hindu medical text says that there should be no pain involved. But normally the belief is that it is pain and cramps and all that. So it's a negative experience. But what would be a ritual related? Like if you can describe to me, like, you know, for example, um, in, in, uh, Islam, in Islam, I feel like one of the things when a girl gets her period, she has to, like, she becomes what the Imam said, like, she becomes accountable for her duties towards religion. So she has to fast, she has to pray, she has to become more modest. Are there such rules in Hinduism? Yeah, it can be answered at two levels. One is very simple that the onset is celebrating. All the uh, women, mature women in the house and in the neighborhood get together and congratulate the girl and all that. So that's one level. But this other level which you are mentioning, uh, the background is that there is a ritual in Hinduism called initiation into the sacred thread. So once you have invested with that sacred thread, then you become entitled, you have the right to study the scriptures. Now the question is, this is where men, this is how men come of age, right? How do women come of age? It seems that in remote past, women also underwent the same ritual. But in classical Hinduism, the view took gain ground that when a woman becomes mature, then what happens to her is the counterpart to the initiation of the boy. So once she has her period, she is now ready to handle all the responsibilities. Why do you think women are regarded as impure during menstruation? For a long time, I just thought it is because of the excretions and so on. But it seems that there is a more sophisticated answer to this in terms of the concept of pranas in Hinduism, life forces, so that we breathe, there is one life force, our digestion is involving, involves another life force, five such life forces are defined. And they say that when a woman menstruates, then one particular element called rajas begins to predominate, and that upsets this balance with objects she interacts with. So that is why she is dissuaded from participating in temple rituals or going to temples and even activities in the kitchen. But again, Hinduism is extremely diverse tradition. So how it is calibrated in every part of India and within its divisions within Hinduism, hard to generalize. And why do you think, as a personal opinion, why do you think in different types of religion this concept of impurity is shared regarding period? You see, I think there is this concept of what you might call ritual purity. I mean, even men. If there is a death in the family, cannot perform any ritual for 10 days. And they were not responsible for the death. <laughs> but ritually, once you are connected with things which are inauspicious or which make one dirty in some way, you have to go to places which are not very seemly. So you allow for some time for all that to lapse, that association.
So if you have the idea of ritual purity, and I think Islam also may have that, because you are supposed to to touch the Quran with a certain, ensuring that you are physically pure. So I think most religions have this, probably Judaism also. So under the influence of this kind of view of ritual purity, now Hinduism has this added idea of the pranas. One very interesting aspect of menstruation in Hinduism is, is the idea that it's a purifying process, with the result that there are some texts which maintain that if a woman has done any sin, she is cured of that after menstruation. So women really are called sinless because it is periodically cleaned up. Now this has some very interesting implications. This is how if women stray from the narrow path, then the more liberal section of Hinduism says that's okay. Once the periods take place, everything is okay. Now this may seem kind of you know trivial, but this has a very interesting social and historical consequence. That when Hindu women are defied by rape or some other molestation and all, they are usually accepted back in the family after the period. This is a very important development. It's very interesting. It seems like. The woman took on a sin, but you like initially in your story, like the story. So she took on a sin to clean herself from sins. Somebody else's. Somebody. She took on someone else's <laughs> sin. sin to be able to cleanse herself her from her own sin. sin. Yeah, and I, I this aspect of it I've always kind of appreciated in Hinduism. This cleansing aspect, and uh, it's also at the physical level. In the Hindu uh, medical texts, when you want to purify your body, clean it up, the rules to be observed, the protocol at that time is identical with the protocol to be observed during the periods. Really? Physically cleaned up also. Is it a way to wash, or is it like a specific? Oh no, that how to resting and things like that. Ah. What kind of food to eat? So it does tell you how what type of food. To, like there are kind of like. Ways to menstruate. There's like kind of a guideline. Yeah, the medical text lay down the guidelines of what to eat, how much to eat, and so on. Hmm. This is quite striking. Yeah. So at the physical level, and then at the uh, at the psychological level, you might say also. But don't you think it's a bit weird? Like, for example, in with the Native Americans, like with the the First Nation, for them, when women got their period, it was like celebrated. They saw, like they saw the empowerment of menstruation in women, you know? And I think all religion that are less earthy, I guess, at less... Um, ah, natural processes, okay. Yeah. yeah. And so in Islam, where is the celebrated? Do you think it's a way to tame women somehow? Do you think it was like a way to tame women? Because that's like something that I heard interviewing some people that like, that w- w- had more of a um, alternative way of thinking. Oh, that like, true. the fact that religion created, associated menstruation, religion associate menstruation with, um, with impurity is a way to tame the power within women. Is that something that you think is? Well, I, uh, I can see the logic behind it. But I don't find it very convincing because men also do things which don't leave them clean. Men also undergo biological processes which require cleaning up. So um, I find probably, and because of the books I have edited on women, that the fact that women can do something which men cannot do has always bothered me, to put it a bit crudely. And they're always looking for things which they can appropriate as something which only men can do. 
Kite War, they always trying to carve out an area which is uniquely made to compensate for this biological imbalance. That biologically women can do something in which men play a role, but they cannot really do the thing itself. I find that kind of an interesting way of looking at it. But do you think that would kind of push them to, instead of celebrating the fact that, because menstruation is a sign that you can also give, like, you know, it's a sign of fertility. Yes, absolutely. But giving it a negative association, is it partly, you think it could maybe relate to that jealousy that... Uh, it could be, yeah. But of course, I have always wondered why there is this negative association with menstruation. Because of what you said, it really shows that women are able to bring new life into this world, which is totally amazing to me. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to tune in next week to listen to another interview with another expert. If you are a menstruator and would like to share your first period story with us, or if you want to check out other first period stories, the trailer of my personal documentary, and a cool period art project I'm working on, please visit my website on iBleed.com. That's i-bleed.com. Thanks for listening.